Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here on A3OWCCO, let's say welcome back to Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Yeah, well, hola, hola. Hola. She was in uh, Mexico enjoying <laughs> in Mexico. Si, si. enjoying some warm weather. huh? Oh, yeah. It was Among other things, warmer than here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome back. We're glad you're safe and uh, <laughs> safely ensconced in our studio. Oh, yes. Yeah. Ready to help Happy our... To be back. Uh, Helping our li- always good to be home though, isn't it? It is always good to be home. You got to sleep in your own bed. You know, it just feels so good. It feels much better. <laughs> now I, I want to mention our phone number and the text number, but then you can introduce. You brought a special guest with you today. Yes. But before you introduce uh, John, let me give you our phone number. This is our Smart Garden Show, and you know we tend to get busy answering your lawn and garden questions. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. You can start filling up those lines now. Or if you like, like some folks are already doing, send a text at 81807-81807. It's kind of exciting. A new voice here. Yeah. yeah yet another one. I brought along uh, another turf guru, Dr. John Trappy, who is from our turf gang. And, uh, yeah, he he wanted to come on the show. And we're That's like, good. That sounds great. And Sam was all for it. And so this is great. So, uh, John, Welcome. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, uh, you bet. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, I've been I've been in Minnesota for the last two years or so. Uh, I'm originally from Indiana. Uh, I did my bachelor's and PhD at Purdue, but uh, so try not to hold that against me. But, um, <laughs> no, we won't do that. <laughs> no, no, we like Purdue. But it's uh, it's great to be up here in the uh, Great White North, and uh, yeah, and so I'm I'm really liking it. So thank you very much. Awesome. And you do a lot of questions at the state fair, and you've met an awful lot of turf homeowners and. Exactly. Yeah, I, I end up doing a, quite a bit of uh, extension work, most of it to either turfgrass professionals or homeowners awesome. uh, or anywhere in between. Well, that's great because if you have uh, any kind of lawn turf type yeah. questions, today is your send day. Them over to the yeah, man on absolutely. My left. Yeah, Julie is here and John is here. So, lawn and garden questions all the way the rest the rest of this. Oh, welcome, John. Yeah. Thank, yeah. Thanks again for joining us. John's going to be up at Mick, Mickman Brothers, I think, today yes, for correct. an event. Yeah, I'll be giving uh, a talk, about an hour-long talk, up in uh, McMinn Brothers, up in Ham Lake, uh, for uh, from 11 to 12 uh, this morning. Today. Awesome. Uh, correct. And it's just, we're going to be covering just a lawn care calendar, the basic lawn care maintenance Ooh. practices. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, throughout throughout the whole mm. growing season. I bet we get a lot That's of questions a, yeah. about for John today. Yeah, that would lawns. be awesome. I'll just go get some coffee. Yeah, do that. We'll, I'll join you. <laughs> John, take it away. <laughs> yeah, it's all yours. All right. Seriously, though, give us a call, if, especially if you do have a turf kind of a question today. We'll put John yeah, to work. Hopefully John will be back, too. So Good. We're, it's always nice to have an extra turf person yep. in the in the stable. Besides Sam. <laughs> Besides yeah. Sam, right. yeah. 651-989-9226. Let's go to Roger, who's calling from Blaine, Minnesota. Go ahead, uh, Roger. Thank you. Yeah, good morning. Morning. I Well, I kind of have three questions, but uh, okay. two pertain to trimming maple trees and flowering crab apple trees. All righty. Go ahead. Okay, can I trim the maple trees now, or should I wait till after they've uh, have leafed out. 
You can trim them now. Uh, they'll get a little sappy when you trim yeah. them, but that's just fine. Don't worry. Okay, when you say now, how late? Another couple of weeks or a week or roughly? Well, pruning when the uh, trees are still dormant is a good idea. Okay. But maples are a little more forgiving. It's just okay. that the sap starts running, so people get a little worried about that. Yeah, but I'm not worried normal. about that. Okay. And then on, on the flowering crab apple trees, wait, say, a week or two after they're done blooming? No, no. Apple trees are different. So crabs oh. and also production apples, you're going to want to prune now. Oh, okay. Yep, okay. this is the time to prune them. Okay. And then uh, little princess pyreas, they're probably about 14, 15 years old. Can I cut them down now to be only about six or eight inches tall? So so remind me, are those uh, spring blooming? Do they bloom early in the season? No, no. Okay, they're late. summer. Okay, so yes, you can cut them down now. That's fine. Yep, they you know, they bloom on. Uh, they're going to bloom on new wood. So whatever new uh, wood emerges. Yeah, they bloom like yep. in July or August, someplace yep. in there. You can cut them down now. Down to about six or eight inches yeah, from the ground. That would be fine. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. All right, Bye. Bye. you bet. Weekend. Roger, thank you, Roger. Roger had a three for three fresh. Great minds think alike. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Ken is calling from uh, Egan. Maybe John can feel this one. Uh, go right. ahead, Ken. Hi, yeah. Um, I had a question about um, a couple of years ago, I had summer patch in my yard. I had a new yard put in uh, 2014, and two years ago I got summer patch, and I, I figure out it was because I was watering too much. And um, so, but it just seems like it just never, never really came out of it. Last year I cut the watering way down, and, you know, the yard was great in the spring, but then over time it just kind of those same spots kind of redeveloped again. Should I be putting down a fungus or something? Hi, Ken. Uh, so uh, for your uh, your turf species, do you, uh, did you put down or did you end up having like a Kentucky bluegrass installed, uh, like a Kentucky bluegrass sod? I don't know. It was Wagner sod is who I used. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, summer patch typically is a is a pathogen for high fertility and what? And one of the other issues is is excessive moisture that can be prone to that environment. So, um, so from a I, you did the right thing by trying to back off the irrigation, uh, or you know just trying to let it dry out a little bit. Um, I would consider also uh, backing off on the nitrogen, and that might help. Typically, uh, summer patches because it's a soil borne pathogen. Uh, it's tough to get it out of the soil, so you may end up having to it, you know it just may may in fact just be there. So you could apply, there are some fungicides available, but uh, typically in a home lawn situation, it's more or less a cultural problem. And, uh, and you can remedy, remedy that by, by uh, backing off the nitrogen. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Ken. 651-989-9226. If a text is easier, 81807. We're going to grab some text messages in a moment, but uh, Gene in South St. Paul is on the line. Go ahead, Gene. Thank you. I had clematis over my arbor, and now I have, because it's winter, right. all the little brown dead leaves. Yep. Do I have to pull them all off, or should I pull all that old uh, stem stuff off down to the ground? Or? Well, it depends on what kind of clematis you have. There's clematis that bloom on new wood that emerges from the ground every year. And there's clematis that bloom on old wood, which is the existing stems, like the ones that you see on your arbor. So depending on which one, you know, if you, if you see new growth that comes up from the ground every year, then no, yeah. Okay. 
So, okay, so have you pruned it off before? Uh, I cut it way down one year, but now it looks so nice and full. I hate to do that, but I can. Okay, so then you can just, you can prune off a little bit, like if the old leaves are there, they'll probably fall off once we get some spring, you know, rain and and some spring breezes and things. So they'll probably fall off, but you could go out and, like, just ruffle them a little bit, and they would fall to the ground then. We want them off of there, in other words. Oh, uh, they'll fall off on their own. So you don't have to worry about them being there the whole summer or anything. All right, very good. You know, we have to take a break, guys, so hang on. I want to remind our listeners that uh, our Smart Garden Show is brought to us every week by our good friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We'll talk about that great product or products coming up in a moment or two. Overcast, uh, our temperature reader here in the Twin Cities, 29. We're heading for 39 later today. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show here on 830 WCCO. Well, as usual, uh, we have a lot of callers and a lot of wow. texters, Julie and John. Tons, so let's tons. let's get to it. For those maybe, Julie, that just joined us, you, you brought uh, yet another helper today. Yeah, Dr. John Trappy. He's one of our turf uh, experts at, in extension and at the U. And he, yeah, just does a great job. So I'm excited. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we're glad you're here. And we are getting... a lot of questions over here, and I'm glad I don't have to answer All right. Well, we'll get put put John to work here. Let's see who has been waiting. Uh, Bill is calling from Burnsville with a question. Uh, Bill, thank you, and go ahead. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm in Burnsville. I have a suburban lot, Uh, probably a a decent topsoil with some clay underneath, but not a lot of sand. My question is this, uh, back in the corner of our lot, we had two, or excuse me, three large pine trees. Pine trees drop their needles, that becomes acidic. Uh, those trees, all but one of them are now gone, and uh, put some t- new black dirt on top of that, but I think I failed to not include enough line, and so I was uh, curious what the proper ratio and what else would be? I just want to start seed versus sod. And what's the deal with the lime? We've talked about that uh, that issue before. Is that even necessary around here? So, hi, Ken. Uh, or, excuse me, hi, Bill. Um, so, uh, Bill, um, yeah, lime is, you're definitely on the right track there as far as uh, trying to trying to adjust the soil pH because some evergreen trees, like you had mentioned, can lower the pH of the soil. Uh, the pine needles themselves can. Uh, so, so lime often is used to raise the pH of the soil. So I, the first question I'd probably ask is uh, if 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 you've uh, done any types of soil testing in in that area, in that immediate area, and then how that compares to the rest of the lawn. Uh, it sounds like you're you're observing some kind of differences or some kind of effect from the pH, and that's why you were trying to add the the lime. Uh, so ha- have you conducted any soil tests? <clears throat> so. Uh... To your, answer your question, doctor, uh, uh, I can walk over 20 feet to the west and where the soils, or excuse me, the, the trees, and never was there a pine tree there. And I have a pretty decent lawn just naturally. And uh, Have you had, Bill, have you had the soil tested? No, I have not. Okay, that's that prob- would be a good that, idea. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah, I would, I'd absolutely recommend uh, doing a soil test in, you know, in the area that you think is a problem, and then also in, you know, the area where you think that you have a, uh, you know, an excellent lawn. So, you know, because right now we could talk, we could talk about recommendations and things like that, but, but you may not adding more lime may not actually 
really benefit anything at the soil pH hasn't really been negatively affected. Julie, how does uh, how does one get soil tests? So we have a soil test lab at the U of M bill that you can get a sample, and you can just go to the soil test, uh, just Google soil test lab U of M, and um, and they'll give you all the instructions on how to take a sample and how to send it in. And I think John, it's seventeen bucks per sample, right? Yes. Yeah. All right, very good. That's it, Bill. That's a good idea. Yeah, start with that. If you're just joining us, uh, we were talking lawns and gardens uh, specifically. Uh, I shouldn't say specifically, but especially since yeah. John is with us. Yeah. We're talking turf today. If you oh, have a turf-type question. Doc Trappy. Yeah, Doc Trappy is Doc with John. us. Dr. John. <laughs> Dr. <Yes>. John. <laughs> I used to love to hear John, Dr. John sing. Uh, t- Tim in Minnetonka is next. Guy, up. Different guy, yeah. Hi, Tim. What's your question, please? Good morning, Tim. My question is about... Um, the use of organic-based lawn fertilizers versus more traditional, the organic being uh, using corn gluten meal for pre-emergent and iron for weed control. Um, is using a traditional, um, and I'll just say like a Scott's brand system, uh, is, that, is that significantly or is it really that much more dangerous to the environment? Uh, that is a, uh, that's, you know, uh, thank you very much for your question, Tim. Uh, that's a you know that's a great question. Uh, when we talk about dangers to the environment, um, I think that I you know I think the most important thing there is is how is how each product is used because even something like an organic that you were referring to can be applied improperly. So uh, so you know how exactly they're used uh, it can play a dramatic effect there. Um, from a with that said, synthetic or uh, what you had referred to, like traditional fertilizers that you might be able to pick up in you know big box stores or home and garden centers, uh, if those applied correctly, uh, either you know with using best management practices, uh, there there can be or there should be a very limited effect to the environment from that as long as they're applied correctly. Uh, so from a safety standpoint, the the question is just depends on how they're actually applied. Okay. So, in other words, read the label. Right? Yeah, yeah, always correct. a good idea. And and we do have some. We have extension publications on on our website turf.umn.edu uh, that have uh, best best uh, practices for fertilizing uh, lawns uh, or any other type of turf area, whether you're using a synthetic product or a an organic product. Okay. Awesome. I know we have to pick up on text messages, so we'll we we'll do that. Those too. We do have that, but we, we <laughs> folks have been waiting on the line. We want to help them out yeah. too. How about Tim, who's calling from Alex Another or Tim. Alec, as some people say? Tim, what's your question, please? Hey, just a quick one. I've got a number of box elder trees in my sure. yard. Just wondering, as far as as far as trimming those back now, is this the time to be doing that? Yeah, you can trim the box elders. They're actually in the maple family, so they're going to bleed as well. Bleed, quote unquote. They're going to run some sap, but but yeah, you can certainly trim them now. Okay, good. Thank you, Tim. Chris is calling from Brooklyn Park, I believe. Hi, Chris. Good morning. Morning. How are you doing? Good. good. What's your question, good. please? Uh, quick question. Um, I bought a bag of uh, Scott's Halt crabgrass. Um, can I? If for pre-emerging, is it too early to do that? It's a granular. Yeah, Chris. Uh, as far as right now goes, it's uh, currently this week. It is uh, typically what you want to do is uh, crabgrass seedlings are going to start germinating right around the time forsythia are blooming. So, um, so I would I would recommend uh, probably uh, you know wait until the ground thaws, but. Um, but you have up until the you know, forsythias are blooming or uh, sometimes even right before the red buds uh, begin to bloom. So 
Uh, so I would I'd look at probably the first or second weekend of of or first or second week of April is is uh, is a more ideal time for a crabgrass preventer. I know we have to break here, but Tom at Lakeville I think has maybe a follow up question about a soil test. What is your question, Tom? Good morning. Um, in my backyard, it, it, uh, it the middle is low, and so when it rains, all the water sits in the middle. I'm wondering if I can if I just put soil. Uh, black dirt in the middle and taper it out to my, you know, the outside uh, so it can drain off. Can I just seed that or what's the, do I need to take the sod off the, uh, off the yard in order to put the black dirt or what would be the best way of doing that? Hey, Tom, uh, I would, you know, I, I guess it kind of depends on how much of a, of an elevation change it is. If it's, uh, you know, if it's only a couple of you know, a couple of inches, if you're only adding a few inches of topsoil, you can probably change the way that surface, uh, way the water runs off the surface. But uh, but if it's meant to be a, a natural collection area, uh, you may have to look at rerouting that water. Um, but as far as uh, whether or not you can seed into that, I you know, I suppose that it depends on how deep that is. Yeah, I think I, one thing I would recommend, too, is, you know, depending on how deep it is, is to strip off the sod and then to to till in some some soil, you are still in compost too. It probably would be fine, and that would break up some compaction too that may have happened with the water uh, settling in there over time. And then you could do a reseeding over that space. You don't want to just dump soil on top of it because it's going to create this layering effect. So you want to really get that sod off of there and then till that in, till in some compost. You could add a little bit of topsoil to it, and uh, and but. That would actually make a pretty nice growing area. And then seed, I think seeding would be best, right? Correct. Yeah. All right. Tell you what, when we come back after the break, we have another half hour of the show to go. Uh, we'll pick up on your text messages. We haven't done that yet. 81807, 81807. I was just thinking as we head to this break, uh, we'll be back with uh, Dr. Julie and Dr. John. Not I th- doctor. Oh, well, I, I just promoted you. I'm not a doctor. I just promoted you. <laughs> <laughs> you see, they wouldn't have known now. But nice. 29 nice. degrees in the Twin Cities. We'll have a look at weather coming up. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to CCO's uh, Lawn and Garden Show. We call it Smart Garden, and we're around every week thanks to the good friends at uh, By the Yard Outdoor Furniture that sponsored this hey, show. Hey, we should mention the website. Well, let's do that. Okay. And so it is? It is extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab, go to Yard and Garden, and visit the Yard and Garden news blog because we have some awesome videos on pruning apple trees. The guy who called about, I should say, the gentleman who called about the crab apple. Also, we've got, uh, I think they're actually pruning the the eating apples, the production apples. Um, But, yeah, it's a video. Uh, Our our communication specialist, Gail uh, Hudson, is doing some awesome stuff with people and there's also some really great articles. Um, Shel Grabowski has one on pruning oak trees. We're running up to oh, close yes. to April 1st. No more pruning oak trees until after June. Um, we have oak wilt, as many do. And uh, you don't want to prune your oak trees between April 1st and the end of June. So um, so read that article. And, uh, and then also there's some good, there's a really good article on seed catalog decoding that Michelle wrote with Annie Claude, who's our new vegetable educator. And it's really, it's a great article. So if you've been, if you've read these catalogs, and you're like, I don't know what it means. <laughs> that's a great thing to look How at. How do we find this now again? It's on extension.umn.edu. 
And if you go to the garden tab and scroll down, you'll see our postings there on um, the garden on the yard and garden page. And as you know, that we get joined by uh, folks, listeners, a little bit late than we the, yes. the starter. And who did you bring with you? Yeah, today? so Dr. John Trappy's here. He's in our turf group, and you guys have a great website too, don't you? Yes, uh, turf.umn.edu is our uh, for for turf specific information. Well, but I'll be looking at that later. Yeah, today. and there's that. some great videos. I think Sam, didn't Sam do some videos? You, I think you did too. Yes, yeah, we have uh, we have some videos on uh, for basically uh, all lawn care maintenance, but uh, but. Typically, there uh, we have some on best management practices for oh, uh, cultural ones. practices, or I watch uh, those a lot, uh, or uh, just things like um, IPM or integrated pest management videos on uh, you know, things mm. like that. Perfect. Right. So, if you do have a lawn or garden question today, now is your chance. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. As I said before the break, we need to catch up on some text messages. Let's do it. Let her rip. I overwintered some strawberries and dwarf blueberries in containers in my unheated garage. When are the temps safe to set them back outside? Do you Boy, think? not yet. Um, you may want to uh, kind of depending on how big the containers are. If you have a sunny, like if you have a walkout basement with a sunny uh, window there, you know, if the sliding door is. Sunny, that's a great place to actually put them. I'm thinking of my mom and dad's house, which they have a nice easterly window that gets a lot of sun. Um, but that would be a good thing to do pretty soon here and start watering those. I hope they made it. You said an unheated garage. They may have frozen, but you can always – I think it's always great to give it a try if you've got mm-hmm. them in containers. But you could take them out now, put them in a sunny window, and start watering them. Kind of a similar situation, Julie, with this. Last fall, I planted tulip bulbs in two large plastic pots. They spent the winter in unheated garage and dark garage. Now they're coming up. They're about two inches high. Is it too soon to put them outside? Yeah, you don't want to put anything out until after the uh, after the freeze. You know, after our last last frost date. Because they're in the little falls area. Twentieth. Yeah, Yeah, and little falls might be a little bit later than that. So you definitely want to be careful with those, um, and you're going to have to acclimate them little by little to get them. uh, You know, to kind of not really harden them off, but kind of warm them up in a way. So, Julie, it says. Was there any Creeping Charlie where you were vacationing? (laughs) I saw no Creeping Charlie the past 10 days. In case we didn't get a question, uh, there's there's (laughs) at least the phrase. There's the one Creeping Charlie. Ah, yeah. Wise guy. If you want to send a text, it's 81807. Here's another one, Julie. Uh, What is the best tomato plant for Minnesota? That is a very personal decision. Ah. (laughs) There are a lot of great tomato plants, and I think what you want to look for is, first of all, uh, what kind of tomato you want. We have cherry tomatoes, and we have small or a little bit larger cherry tomatoes, kind of midsize. We have slicing tomatoes. We have Roma tomatoes. They all have different kinds of purposes, so whatever kind you want. And then I would look for um, a disease-resistant variety. And that would be on the back package, or it might be it'll be on the uh, grower's website as well. And then also, if you want a determinate or indeterminate, also if you want heirloom or uh, a hybrid, hybrid tend to produce more. Uh, heirloom uh, are some really delicious. They're all great tomatoes. Um, and then if they, how long you know till you want fruit? That's the other thing. Uh, determinate vines will produce kind of over a couple of weeks. So. And that's great if you're a canner. Uh, indeterminate vines, and a lot of cherry tomatoes are these, is they will produce and produce and produce until basically frost. So 
It's really very, very subjective, um, but there are a lot of great tomatoes. Look for those disease-resistant mm-hmm. varieties, though, because a lot of people get upset about late and early blight and septoria leaf spot. And, um, well, you know, look for those that are resistant to that if that really bothers you. And they taste so good. So good, yeah. Yes. Boy. This is one for Dr. John, I believe. Just built a new home in southwest Minnesota. Need to reseed the entire lawn. What's the best type of grass to put in there? Uh, there are only a few trees, Texter says. Uh, are there a lot of variables there depending on the soil? And what would you recommend? Dr. So John? there's uh, uh, there, there's obviously uh, many different options that you could go with. Um, two of the most common uh, commonly used uh, turf grass species or three of the most commonly used turf grass species are Kentucky bluegrass. That's uh, one that is by far the most planted. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best for you. Uh, it sounds like you have few trees, uh, which is great for growing grass. So, uh, so you could, you could plant Kentucky bluegrass, tall fescue. Uh, uh, the fine fescues are uh, is something that we've been promoting from a, uh, from a lower mowing requirement, lower nitrogen requirement. Um, and, uh, they, they also have higher shade tolerance, but, um, but those end up being a, uh, among the most uh, commonly planted turfgrass species. We have an extension publication on our website on on selecting the right turfgrass species. So if, uh, if if you have any more questions or more details that you could uh, get into the right turfgrass for you as far as what you're looking for, I would definitely check that out. And as far as folks uh, around this area, you're going to be speaking today, right? Tell us wh- when and where. Yeah, so I, I'm actually going to be giving a talk uh, at Mickman Brothers Nurseries uh, in Ham Lake uh, and I'll be giving that talk at 11 a.m. this morning. It's going to be about an hour, uh, maybe just slightly over. Uh, and we're going to be talking about just lawn care practices throughout the growing season. So we're looking at a lawn care calendar. So the ideal practices for the right time of the year, uh, starting starting in the season. I know we've had a calendar for a while on our website, and that is something I've kept it in my book <laughs> to mm-hmm. tell people and really referred people to it because I think it's kind of baffling. There's so many things that you can do to a lawn and when's the best time and but most of the most of it is in the fall that we actually yeah, recommend, I think. In in most cases, you know, everybody gets all cooped up in the wintertime and they get yeah. super excited to be out working totally. in the spring and, and in some cases you can actually end up trying to do too much too early in the springtime. So but but the fall is by far you just want to basically be doing you the cultural practices that you want to do for for your lawn, it's better to set it up for the next year, and you want to do that when the grass is actively growing and it's growing the best in in that early fall time frame. Very good. Speaking cool seasons. Speaking of which, same question though. I know we have to take a quick break. When do you aerate and when do you dethatch? What's time of year if you need to do both? So, so aerification or aeration is typically used to relieve soil compaction uh, and. Uh, to a lesser extent, to remove or to relieve thatch in the lawn, uh, you want to do that when the plant is actively growing. But um, but but not the best time to do that is is in the early fall, uh, where it can still recover before the winter. Uh, you can aerate in the springtime, uh, but but just make sure that you do, uh, don't do it too early. Um, uh, that you know the ground is obviously still frozen. And you don't want to do it right before uh, some really hot or dry weather because you may stress it out in that point. And aren't there more aren't there more weed seeds that are active in the spring too? Yes, that that is definitely a concern. That's why we primarily the the preferred time to do that is is in the uh, sometime in in uh, middle to late August uh, would be a great time for you know and pretty much anywhere in Minnesota. Very good. I tell you what, before we break, Margaret in St. Paul 
has a question. Margaret, what is your question for our guest? Uh, good morning. I tuned in a little late. You might have already talked about the dreaded creeping Charlie. <laughs> Not yet. It, Here it, it has Just taken over my front yard. Uh-oh. I mean, it's invaded. I've been in the same house for 20 years, and it's just gotten worse and worse. And hey, I am a widow, so I've kind of put it off to the side, and now it's just like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. All right, how can Margaret get <laughs> rid of all green. that creeping Charlie? And it's probably maybe a job for a professional. I don't know. <laughs> Well, it's taken over the whole yard, it sounds so, like. Yeah, so Creeping Charlie, If um, typically the first thing with any type of weed is you want to basically try to figure out why that weed is there. So um, because mm-hmm. you could, we could effectively recommend, a, say, a chemical or uh, something to try to remove it. And if you don't fix that underlying problem, you'll just get it back in a couple of years. So, uh, so Creeping sure. Charlie is typically an indication of excessive shade uh, and or excessive moisture. So... Think about think about uh, trying to thin out the shade, or uh, try to uh, either, you know, fix uh, fix that excessive moisture. But there are some chemicals. Triclopyr is an active ingredient. Uh, it's off patent. It's in many different products. It's the, it's pretty much the only one that'll work on on ground ivy or creeping Charlie, the, which are the same uh, weed species. So. Um, so you can definitely find lots of different products that are available to the homeowner. But uh, if it in, if indeed it, regardless, it's going to take many, uh, several applications is what it sounds like for your uh, for your particular situation. Do you think it might be a good idea for her to call in a professional maybe? Yeah, if, it, if it's... If it's a huge job. Yeah. Sounds I, like it. <laughs> I, I, in, in some cases, it, it uh, because it is sequential applications, it's going to require uh, sequential applications in order to actually control it. Uh, that's something that I would recommend. And, and they would probably, they're probably going to uh, also recommend fertilizing to try to allow the lawn to be healthier to to defend against the the weeds the next time it's going to mm. next time oh, yeah. or, and then have to reseed and correct whole, uh, well you may you may or may not depending okay. on how much how much turf is actually there so all right wow. we need Good to take luck. a break and uh, thank you margaret we'll take this break and uh, be back on the other side of uh, this uh, show of course smart garden show on CCO brought to us by by the yard outdoor furniture right now it's overcast in the twin cities temperature reading at 29 degrees Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Smart Garden here on 830 WCCO. Julie Weisenhorn in studio with uh, Dr. John Trappy helping us out yeah. with your lawn Dr. questions. John. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We have a couple of those. We have others as well. And uh, tell you what, we, we, I know we have a lot of text messages. Let's see if we can't pick off a few here. Uh, we have some. Texter says, dwarf burning bushes that aren't very dwarf-like anymore. Is it okay to bring them down to a shorter size now? They seem pretty tough even after the rabbits have feasted on them. Yes, you can prune those down. And, yeah, the rabbits do really like the Euonymus elatus. That's the Latin name for burning bush, brightly colored bush. Um, it's, yeah, bring it down and, um, and then fence it from the rabbits. Some It'll folks fill in. You won't be able to see the fence. Julie, some folks can't wait to see Julie's band. When and where is the next <laughs> yeah. gig? We have got a gig coming up. It's not till May 11th. It's out at the Wyzetta Brew Works. Oh, and, okay. Uh, a couple of hours. Me and uh, it'll be uh, about four of us, I think, playing. Excellent. Not the whole gang, but most of us. We'll remind folks yeah. uh, as we get closer. Uh, texter says this, uh, Moss, what oh. chemicals or fertilizers can I put down to make my lawn healthier? Moss is moss is the problem. So uh, I would just uh, again I would just remove moss as an indication of of excessive shade and moisture. Um, And and I would the first thing I would do is is look at remedying that. 
Uh, but there are some products available. Uh, I, uh, I believe one of the trade names is Quicksilver for moss, but uh, but otherwise, it's 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 almost strict. It's almost exclusively a cultural problem of removing excessive shade and moisture. Mm-hmm. Very Trying good. to grow grass where we don't want to grow grass. <laughs> I had a couple a couple of trees. Texter says cut down in my yard and now have sawdust all over. Will it hurt my lawn? Should I vacuum it up? What do you think about uh, sawdust from uh, trees that were cut down? Just rake it in. Yeah, spread Just it out. Spread yeah. it out. Yeah, a leaf blower would probably work a little. Oh, that's a good oh, that's idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh Texter says I had I think a deer scraped some bark off my blaze maple. Uh, no grooves. I wrapped the area for winter. Now unwrapped it. Any additional treatment needed, do you think? Uh not at this point. Uh hopefully they didn't they just scraped a little bit of the bark off, but um yeah, there's nothing really to do about it. So, keep the tree healthy, water it, make sure it gets enough water this year if we have a dry spring. Okay. Protect it next year. We were talking about uh, soil sample earlier in the show. How long, a texter says, will it typically take to get a soil sample analysis back from the lab? Uh, it depends on how busy the lab is, and this is getting to be a really busy time. People are uh, are eagerly getting out there and digging under the snow. Um, they also get a lot of samples from farmers, too, so bear that in mind. But a couple of weeks, maybe? Correct. Something like that? Okay. Donna is calling from Burnsville with a story, I think. Donna, what is your story? Um, We have a shaded backyard, just a tiny little backyard, and so I wanted to plant um, ground cover out there. And I love Swedish ivy, so I thought, I'll plant Creeping Charlie. So I went to Bachman's (laughs) and said, you know, I'm looking for a ground cover, and I want to have Creeping Charlie. (laughs) Oh, they were really offended. We don't sell weeds. So as I was leaving, one of the people who works there came and said, I have lots of Creeping Charlie. You come over to my house, and I will give you some. And so I did. Oh, my gosh. It it was wonderful back there, as as long as I kept it um, watered. (laughs) <laughs> so here's your a neighbors propon- loved you on yeah, that one. <laughs> I bet a proponent of creeping Charlie. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah, thanks, thanks Donna. Donna. How about that? Uh, let's see. We've got the textures here. Every here's plant one. Plant has its right place, you know. Maybe you can help me out here. <laughs> What's the difference between a Scotts fertilizer where all the granules are the same and they don't show the three numbers on the bag, and other fertilizers where all the granules look different? And they do show the three numbers on the bag. First of all, what are the I know it, but what are the three numbers? So the, the three numbers. Uh, the first one is uh, the percent nitrogen in the bag. The second number is uh, percent uh, plants available P two O five, and the third number is the uh, uh, the uh, the percentage of soluble K two O. So nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium is what you're looking at there. Uh, and the differences in colors uh, from those granulars, pay, try not to pay too much attention to that because that can really vary from manufacturer to manufacturer and the source of the product. So uh, so typically, uh, again, uh, if you're fertilizing a lawn, uh, you should be looking at a product that has a nitrogen and potassium. And unless you're establishing a lawn from seed in this current year, you can't be applying phosphorus because of the Minnesota phosphorus law. So, mm. uh, so uh, really... Uh, just uh, in general, you're going to be looking for something that is like a 25-0-10, for example, for like a typical lawn fertilizer. Texter says, ants, my neighbor treated their grass for ants, and now I have an ant population in my yard many times more than ever. What can that person do about that? 
Uh, that is a very good question. I know you're not an yeah. entomologist. We have an ent- <laughs> we have a publication on ants. I think in for I think lawns too. Yeah, the, to remember. it's not a typical lawn problem, um, but it sounds like maybe they just migrated away from the problem. Uh, yeah, they just visit, said, let's move next door. <laughs> well, didn't you, I don't know if it was you, Julie, or some other one of your colleagues that, because this happened in my lawn where there it was like a certain area, a couple of, right. that were infested. I wonder if it's when it's, if that part of the lawn has got a little bit different soil for some maybe. reason. It's a sandier soil. They're not going to necessarily be in a, a, a clay soil or heavy soil, so maybe taking that area first, you could you could treat for the ants. That's one thing, mm. and we do have a publication on ants, uh, and then you could probably mix in some compost and and uh, amend that soil. And it, like you might find it's a like just a core of sand for some reason right there. I I, I was almost positive that some I learned this because I wouldn't have done this on my own. Now, if you're an ant lover, I'm sorry, yeah. but I took the boiling water. Oh, and went yes, out there, and yeah. is that true? I mean, and it, I and it worked. I'll I did tell that, you that once with bees that were it years and years work. ago. There were actually ground hornets, and we yeah. did that, and it worked. Yeah, and it, it, you have to do it at night when they're all in the nest. We have a little bit less than uh, than a minute to go. Dr. John, it's been a pleasure. Hope to see you back in yeah, studio again. Absolutely. You're welcome anytime. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for well, having yeah, me. Oh, you'll be back, and and you're going to be speaking again <laughs> when and where? Uh, at McMinn Brothers uh, Nursery. It's up in. Um, Ham Lake? Uh, yeah, in uh, Ham Lake, and, uh, and I'll be doing that from 11 to 12 this morning. Today. All right, good. Go we'll see him there. And, uh, Julie, are you going to be back next week? Jeez, I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> You'll, we'll surprise you. I can't you. remember. Let, give us the website but again. Visit the Extension website. It's extension.umn.edu. And go to uh, click on garden, go to yard and garden, and we've got some awesome new videos on apple pruning. So if you have an apple tree uh, in your yard, check it out before you get out there with your saw. Excellent. And do it fast. Good deal. Thank you, guys. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.